Hi there, and welcome to episode 20 of the Boss Podcast. I'm Kirk Bailey, and this week we are going bottoms up with Whitney O'Banner as she delves into the aspects of OKRs that are outdated and why we shouldn't dismiss grassroots solutions. Welcome to the Business of Software podcast, where we share talks from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. You can find out more at businessofsoftware.org. 20 years ago, Google famously published a leading reference for establishing objectives and key results as a way to align teams and set short-term goals. In this boss talk from the USA 2019 conference, Whitney O'Banner, the engineering manager at Medium, delves into which aspects of the video should be embraced, which should be updated in line with the times, and which should be left in the past. Whitney leaves you with three top tips for incorporating OKRs into your team, plus answers a few of the audience's hard-hitting questions in the Q&A section. Happy listening. I was a bit nervous, actually, about giving this talk. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Uh, But when I was sitting out at lunch and talking to some people, I ran into some people in the bathroom uh, and in the halls, and everyone seems like friends here. It seems like a really friendly group. So let's all be friends. Yeah? And talk about friend things, like OKRs. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like friends do. Um, is, there, is there a clicker for this, or should I just go through the? No problem. We're all friends. It's all good. Thank you. <laughs> OK, fantastic. Hi, everyone. My name is Whitney. Hi. Thank you. I work at a company called Medium. How many of you heard of Medium? Yes. Okay, cool, some. Um, For those who have not, we are one of the fastest growing digital media companies. Uh, We are primarily focused on getting you to discover the best stories and ideas on the internet. So if you have not heard of Medium, I highly encourage you to sign up, create a free (laughs) account, and share some of the brilliant ideas that you're hearing today at this conference. But I'm an engineering manager there, uh, and though I work at Medium, you can find me more active on Twitter, at Woo Banner. So we're all friends. If you have nice, friendly things to say, please tweet me, <laughs> slide into my DMs, whatever you want to do. If you have feedback about this talk, uh, please go ahead and, and tweet that out. Um, it should be noted that I gave this same talk earlier this year. So uh, while a lot of the content is the same, I think it's important to keep evolving even my own understanding of OKRs and how to get them to work for me. So uh, I do that by way of feedback from the audience in which I delivered this talk. So uh, if you could, send me your feedback. Tweet it to me. Some nice things. Uh, Let's go ahead and dive in. So to start, story time. The year is 1999, and a guy named John borrows from a guy named Andy, this goal-setting methodology called OKRs. And he brings it to a then one-year-old Google. This is fresh Google, brand new. Uh, They still got the drop shadow in the logo. And fast forward a bit, 14 years, and Google not only gets a shinier, newer logo, but they say, hey, this OKR thing has been working really well for us. It's been helping us set goals across the company. We've adopted it. We believe in it. Let's make a video. So a Google Ventures partner 
makes a video called How Google Sets Goals, OKRs. And he publishes this video on YouTube and spreads the gospel of OKRs to the masses. And it's adopted by almost every major company you've ever heard of, some of, some of our own uh, as well. Um, but if you bring us into present day, 2019, you'll find that this video, How Google Sets Goals, OKRs, is still one of the primary references for making OKRs work within our businesses, within our companies. And that's a bit problematic because while a lot of the video is really good, in fact, I encourage you to go check out the video after this talk, after all of the talks, not just after my talk, don't run off and watch the video, watch the rest of the talks. Uh, so the video is really good, it has some really good points, but uh, it does have a few points that are quite dated. Right? Here we are 20 years later after the introduction of OKRs, and we're still referencing this video that has some of this old advice. And not only that, but some of it is just plain wrong. And it doesn't work for companies of all sizes. Right? It works for companies of Google size. Uh, but what about smaller companies? Right? What about companies that are under 200 employees, 50 to 200? Uh, so some of the points in the video, I think, are, are a bit wrong. Uh, not just dated, but should probably be turned on their head completely. Uh, so while Google got this wrong and introduced this to the, the masses in this video, uh, we adopted this and took it, took it as gospel. And so a lot of us got it wrong too. Uh, so I'm going to dive in to some strategies today to help us get it more right 20 years later after the introduction of OKRs. Um, but first, I want to get a quick pulse check. How many people in here have heard of or... Oh, I already see hands. How many people have heard of or have used OKRs in their business? This is like across the board. Okay, great. No eye rolls yet. Um, how do you feel about them? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If they're implemented well, they can work well for you. Yeah. Um, okay. I just heard like a yeah, like across the <laughs> across the crowd here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Most of what I've come across <laughs> in my experience is captured quite well in this tweet from Brian Burkeen. So he tweeted this out. This is a real tweet. OKRs equal overrated and kind of right metrics when you are too early. We can even cross the when you are too early. This is, this is generally what I come across when I'm working with companies and businesses on OKRs. Um, I get a lot of eye rolls. I get a lot of, yeah, OKRs, oh, okay, okay. Um, but this sums it up quite well. Uh, so. While your mileage may vary with OKRs, uh, depending on the size of your company, depending on where you are in introducing them to the company, uh, I'm going to talk about these strategies that I think are applicable to a company of any size and any industry. Uh, and there's something you can take back and work within your own businesses. Sound good? Yeah? Kind of? Head nods? Can we get hype? OKRs? <laughs> OKRs! Yeah! Okay. So what are they? What are OKRs? What are we even talking about today? Uh, so most of you know OKRs are familiar. I saw a lot of hands raised. OKRs, uh, it's an acronym for Objectives and Key Results. Uh, and it's structured somewhat like this. Uh, we will achieve some objective as measured by some metric or a key result. Right? Here's a real-life example. We will go viral as measured by 5,000 new followers. If we get 5,000 new followers to our medium publication, that signals we've probably gone viral, right? Amongst other things, right? I would have some more key results here, but this is, this is a real working example. So why do we use them? 
Um, and again, I'm just setting the stage here before I dive into these strategies, so, so hope I don't lose you, but I want to talk about some of the goals of OKRs and why we use this tool in the first place. I think it's three key things. Three key things, excuse me. The first one being that we learn where our big successes are. We learn where we should really lean into the bigger opportunities, right? It's okay to start with many OKRs, many objectives at the start of the quarter, but by the end of the quarter, you might end up with one, right? You say, okay, this is where we're really getting the big wins. This is where we need to lean in. Two, it helps us align our shared, our shared vision for the team. So we get the team all headed in the same direction, right? We get everyone rowing to the same place. And the third thing, it helps us track our progress along the way. So, of course, we want to track the progress of our work, see how we're doing at the end of a quarter or at the end of a year. Uh, but it's really these three key things, to, to learn where we got the big wins, to align our teams towards the shared vision, and to track the progress of our work. That's it. It's a tool, right? Um, of course, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, so there are other tools you can put in your toolkit. But this is why we uh, at the company primarily use OKRs. So this is the meat of what I want to talk to you about. These are the three tips that I want to share with you about how to get better at OKRs, especially if you're introducing them. So what I hear from a lot of people when I get the meh is that they've introduced OKRs to their company and the first time around it was a disaster. Right? Does that sound familiar? All right, I'm looking at, I had lunch with you and you told me it was a disaster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so tip number one, let's dive right into it. I want you to skip individual OKRs, just ditch them completely. And what do I mean when I say individual OKRs? Take a look at this chart. Typically, and what's described in that video, that famous video from Google, is we'll set objectives at the company level. So we have our business level goals. Those then trickle down to the organization or the team, right? And they reflect some version of those same goals. And those then trickle further down to the field line or individual contributors and is reflected in their personal individual OKRs. Right? They're actually called individual OKRs. What I'm telling you to do today is to get rid of those completely. Here's why. Individual OKRs, in my experience, do not add a lot of value to the business. So, while you have your employee setting what looked like in the previous slide that I showed, uh, we, I will achieve some objective as measured by some key result. Um, what they're actually doing is trying to track their performance, right, or work towards a personal goal. That's not necessarily in line with what the business is trying to do. And OKRs are not a performance measurement tool. Again, I say there's a lot of tools we can have in our toolbox. OKRs are one of them but OKRs are not a performance measure tool. They're also not a personal development tool. So while it's great to have personal individual goals at the employee level, it's not necessarily appropriate to have OKRs at the individual level. So what do we do instead? Maybe we try tasks. It's not novel. <laughs> tasks, projects, right? We're used to these things. We can call them what they are but we can set individual tasks instead of individual OKRs. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. This one seems like the obvious one, but this is what's highlighted in this famous Google video. So I want you all to go back, watch those videos, take the good points out of it, and leave this one on the table if you can. That's my first bit of advice. Tip number two. This is the hill I will die on. <laughs> the OKR hill I will die on. 
Ignore the metrics. I'm here to tell you, ignore the numbers. Last time I said this in a conference, there was like this huge sigh of relief in the whole crowd. Um, and there are a lot of people clutching their chest right now, and a lot of people are just shaking their heads. Um, but again, the hill I would die on is to ignore the metrics. Do not pay attention to the numbers. Now, when I gave this talk the first time, again, there was a lot of debate about this, and I got a lot of feedback, and a lot of unfriendly things on Twitter were said. Um, so I'm going to put an asterisk by it this time uh, to sort of cover my bases here. But I'll call out that I'm talking about ignoring the metrics to start at first. You're introducing OKRs for the first time in your company, right? Or you're targeting an objective that you've never gone after before, right? When my team was using OKRs for the first time, uh, we, we noticed a couple things. We were less focused on the outcomes and we were more focused on the numbers because uh, that was what we were told to do. But number one is we didn't have a baseline for a lot of the things we wanted to measure, right? We said we wanted to decrease our time to deploy by 20%. We had no idea what our time to deploy was. So decreasing it by 20% could have been, you know, instead of two days, it takes a day and a half. Who knows, right? Um, so we didn't have a baseline for these things we wanted to measure. And then two, most of the numbers we put in place when we were creating these metrics were just swags. And again, referencing that earlier conference, when I said swag, do you know what I mean when I say swag? What do I mean? Scientific wild-ass guess. Scientific wild-ass guess. That was all of our metric. They were scientific wild-ass guesses. And we felt good about ourselves because we had signed off on you know, decreasing time to deploy 20%, improving accessibility by 75%. But who the hell knew what these numbers even meant? Right? We just threw out numbers because we were told to add metrics to make it a valid key result. But what if instead we focused on outcomes and tried something else? So remember that earlier example, uh, we will go viral by getting 5,000 more followers on our Medium publication. What if there was a world in which we just got rid of the number? And we said, okay, we'll go viral. We don't know what it means to go viral. We don't know how to go viral. We've never gone viral before. So instead of 5,000 new followers, what if our key result was just to have more followers, right? We get more followers, so it shows we're getting some traction, and maybe we're starting to go viral. Let's see. Let's see how that goes. And then over time, later, we can go in and add a number, right? This satisfies everyone. They want to see this big, juicy number up there. We're adults. We love numbers on things. Uh, but to start, we can generalize. Let's just say we want to achieve this objective by doing this general thing. And then once we learn, okay, we did all this work in the quarter, we launched all these you know, big marketing things, and, and we got more followers, but we only got 1,000 more followers. Okay, that's a decent baseline. Now let's go in and set the stretch goal. Right? We got 1,000 more followers, let's go in and do the things next quarter that we think will 5x that and get 5,000 more followers. That's a real stretch goal because we know where we are and we have an idea of where we can go. But I wouldn't start with the numbers, because they're swags. <laughs> they're wild-ass guesses, until you know your baseline, and you know what is a real stretch. So tip number two, ignore the metrics and focus instead on the outcomes. Right? What do you want to come out of all of this? Tip number three. 
Avoid cascading goals. Remember that earlier chart with the uh, company level objectives that trickle down to the team and organization that trickle down? So, so that's what I mean by cascading. Uh, but it's important to know that every goal that your team or employees have should not cascade from the business level, from the company level. Now, oh, I'm using the laser over here. I'm going to read off this quote because I don't want to butcher it. But it says, having goals improves performance. Spending hours cascading goals up and down the company, however, does not. It takes way too much time, and it's too hard to make sure all the goals line up. Do you know who said this? Google. <laughs> the former VP of PeopleOps at Google said this, years later, years after this video. But in the video, they talk about the importance of the cascading goals. But you'll see, cascading goals is a huge time suck. It takes a lot of time. Maybe if you have a smaller team, it's OK. But you'll find as you move through the quarter and do the work, making sure that the team or organizational or group level goals constantly align to the company goals takes a lot of time. And it's a lot of headache. And it's a lot of unnecessary headache because it doesn't actually improve performance. So not only is it a time suck, but it does something worse. It stifles innovation. If you remember nothing else from this talk, I want you to remember this. So Harvard Business Review uh, talked about how we don't invest in some of the best ideas at our companies because frontline employees undervalue their ideas. Managers, leadership, C-suite, executives, we overvalue our ideas. We think our ideas are amazing. But it's frontline employees, it's individual contributors who are closest to the problems, right? They're, they're in the day-to-day. They're right there on the ground. And so they see the problem very clearly and sometimes have the best solutions. But they doubt their own solutions. So if we don't have all of our goals that cascade, we empower our teams in the individual contributor level to make sure that they're surfacing these great ideas. They say, hey, I have an idea. Maybe this should be our objective. Or maybe this is how we can reach that objective. You want to make sure you don't stifle that innovation and empower and motivate your team of employees to bring objectives to the table that you might not have otherwise considered. And we can't do that if all of the goals are coming from up top. So instead of cascading all the goals from the company level, as suggested by that video, instead, we're going to go bottoms up. We're going to have some goals that are from the top down. right? Of course, we want to move the business forward. right? I hope. But at the same time, we have to respect that there are individual contributors, there are employees who are going to have really great ideas and know how to drive the direction of your teams and of your companies. So don't cascade every goal. Go bottoms up. Make sure you're hearing from these employees about what your OKRs should be. We do this at Medium. I love it. We all get together. We decide as teams. We come back uh, as a larger company. And each of the teams gets to speak to what their OKRs are for the quarter. Everyone can have input. You can give feedback on other teams. You can ask questions of them. But we empower our teams to be autonomous and to come up with these ideas from the bottom up. So that's it. That's the long and short of it. And a lot of this stuff is not hard. It's, it's almost obvious, right? But again, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Because to recap, we're going to use tasks, 
right, instead of individual OKRs. We're going to focus on outcomes instead of those numbers or those metrics that we want to live and die by. And we're going to go bottoms up instead of cascading every goal from the company level down to the employee. And that's it. Okay, thank you, Whitney. Thank you. Um, I know there's going to be some questions here. Um, Hans? At the back. Hi, thanks, Whitney. Um, your tip two kind of goes against one aspect of setting uh, OKRs, which is setting the bar high. How do you still do that if you're not going to have any sort of a measurement? That's a great question. So how do you still set the bar if you don't have any sort of measurement? So is this a question of motivating your teams? I think there are other ways in which to motivate a team outside of a number. Uh, because if you think about it, if a number is the way in which you motivate someone, could that not also demotivate someone? Uh, so thinking about this, if I set a number that's too low, Right, and you hit it, and it's easy. And I'm a member of your team. What do I then think about that OKR, that objective? If we surpass that, we blew it out of the water. Do I think we're hot shit? We did it. We're amazing. Too easy? Why am I, why am I even doing this? Are these real? Uh, so, so I think it's a larger question to answer what then motivates them. Maybe we could talk after this in the break. But, it isn't just, I don't think it's the number. It isn't just motivation. Um, how do you make sure that um, you're using OKRs to, to kind of try and force people to think outside the box? Because if you do set the bar very high, then it's like you can't just do things incrementally the way you're normally used to doing things. You've got to think, well, okay, how on earth can we achieve that? And you, if you don't have a measurement, that's quite hard to do. Yeah, that's a good point uh, and a valid point. So again, I want to reiterate that I don't think you should never set a measurement or never set the bar. That's primarily if you're starting out and you don't have a baseline or you don't know what that number would be. But it's perfectly okay to go in and add that bar or add that measurement later when you have a better understanding of those two things. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you got the microphone. <laughs> Can you give some uh, concrete examples from your team, how you guys implemented it, particularly it seems like engineers that you guys are managing? So. Yeah, uh, I can give examples of a former team. Um, so, in, in OKR specifically? Yeah, um, so I brought it to the team, this idea of OKRs and that we would use them uh, when I was at Braintree previously. And Again, with that third bit, um, not having them cascade from the top, the team surfaced, hey, we really care about accessibility, and we think it's important um, because we were a front-end web development team. And so we set an OKR that we will improve accessibility um, by, uh, as measured by 75% WCAG compliance. WCAG is the web, com web, excuse me, web compliance accessibility guidelines. Uh, so we used WCAG um, as our measure. Um, and we didn't set 75% to start. We just said WCAG compliance. We didn't have a baseline. We didn't know where we were uh, with WCAG. But once we understood where we were, then we set a 75% as a stretch goal. Okay. 
Gareth? Hi. Hey. Um, loved it. Amazing. I think this should be part of the induction for every new manager. Preach, because there's so much of all of that legacy stuff that's out there. Yeah. With people saying, yeah, but what about the 70% stretch and make it all measurable and all this kind of stuff, and organizations just obsessing about that. Uh, so, thank you. Um, my question was about the cascade down to personal and personal objectives. So you were sort of saying, like, just concentrate on the tasks and the projects rather than the the outcomes and the measurements, um, which I kind of got, but then you subsequently sort of said, but well, let's break the cascade. Um, and I, it feels to me like that's the important bit. Let's break the cascade between what happens at the team level and making sure that your individual objectives aren't necessarily having to align to what the team level thing is. But do you not find it's a useful framework to be able to have those conversations with about like, okay, what, what outcome are you looking to achieve personally and how are you gonna know whether or not you're making progress towards that goal? So that sort of conceptual OKR structure still feels to me like it works well when you're having that conversation, that one-on-one -on -one conversation about an individual's outcome. I was curious as to why you felt that it didn't work so well. Uh, sorry, are you specifically asking about the cascading or about the about, individual About OKRs? once you're basically saying, let's not cascade, you, I think you were also saying, let's not use OKRs as a personal development way to framing personal development. Right. Uh, and I'm curious as to why you felt that it sort of it broke down at that level. Why, why, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I have found in my experience that when you do have the sort of individual level OKRs or that conversation around OKRs with an individual employee, um, it quickly turns into a couple of things. Micromanagement, number one, um, because you're sort of tracking them in the same way that you track the company or organization or team level OKRs. Uh, so, so then you, you become really invested in, in the tasks and the numbers and, and those types of things. Um, so it's easy to, to slip into micromanagement. And number two, it becomes a performance uh, measurement tool, as I talked about. Um, but it's super important to understand that OKR should not be used to measure performance because when you do set those numbers, those metrics, um, those are stretch goals, right? Not with the intent to meet them, right? But you know, you want to get close. Um, but if you have individuals setting these stretch goals for themselves and they never meet these goals, that then is demoralizing, right? Or demotivating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, of course. Hi. Um, so just uh, from an implementation perspective, what do you use to communicate these OKRs to your team? Like, what are they seeing from a dashboard perspective? How frequently are you evaluating them as a team? Uh, are there any specific tools, uh, whether they're software-based? Uh, do you have a whiteboard or, like, print things out just to give that visibility to the team? Uh, we, we're using OKRs. We're still in the early stage of implementation. We're in, like... I think Q2 or Q3 of utilization, and just trying to find an efficient way to communicate that out to the whole company, take it back to the teams, and then measure it and apply it on a sort of quarterly basis or weekly basis. I'd love your insights and thoughts on that. Fantastic question, and I'd be super to hear, I'm super interested to hear answers from everyone at some point um, as to what you all use. I know there, there are software tools out there. Lattice is one that comes to mind, only because they, they sort of spam ads at me on Twitter, um, but we don't use that. Uh, we use uh, slides, we use Google Slides. Um, and we review them every two weeks in something uh, we call sprint review. Uh, so the whole company can come together and come in on this call, um, or just the individual team can join the call uh, and review the OKRs that you set for the quarter. Um, so we are constantly tracking every two weeks how we're doing against those OKRs. Uh, I use JIRA uh, as our project management tool, uh, and you can set goals within JIRA. Uh, so individual key results will be the goal of a given sprint within JIRA. Um, so I try to make them as visible as possible to keep them as top of mind as possible uh, on the mind of everyone in the team.
Thank you. Um, now, OKR, OKRs were kind of designed to keep the people at the top informed and so, you know, motivate people and kind of measure what they're doing. So how do you persuade the hippos um, that actually it's a shitty way of doing it? How do you actually kind of go about persuading those people that have got this like little model of OKR, OKRs are the way to go? Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you change their minds? Oh, that can be tough. Mm. <laughs> you get invited tough to crowd. conferences like this, and then you give these talks, and then they say, oh, she knows what Great answer. About. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it, it does take... Um, this is all... This is, everything I'm giving uh, is, is sort of by trial and error, right? These are, these are my experiences. This is what I've taken from companies I've consulted with, worked with, uh, et cetera. So sometimes it takes getting burned a little bit, right? The hippos have to get burned to see, oh, this is not working out so well for us. Right? Why is this not working out well for us? And then it's easy to come in and propose, okay, well, maybe because we didn't have a baseline to start, so we shouldn't have a number here, right? These sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I would like to know the answer to that question myself. <laughs> it's the, a blog post in the offering. Yes. Yeah, this is another question about cascading, and I think it's great to decouple objectives at a team level from a corporate level. But one thing I've seen happen is teams then sometimes worry if they can't, they worry, oh, my objective for our team isn't reflected in the corporate objective. Do, do I matter? And I, I wonder whether you've experienced the same and how you might have addressed it. So this is where team objectives are not necessarily aligned with company objectives? I think it's not as much about alignment as that like at a very high company level, you can't always reflect every team in the company. Every team can't necessarily see their objectives. Maybe you're an operational team that's keeping the lights on. Maybe you don't see your objectives reflected at the company level. Mm. And you feel like, well, do I matter? You do, mm. I think. Um, but we shouldn't, I feel like there's a lot of work to try to tie everything together up and down the line. And I wonder whether you've seen the same thing, if you've done anything. I have, yeah. And I, I recently read something online. I read a lot online about OKRs uh, in my spare time. Um, <laughs> so I recently saw something about local OKRs and the importance of them. So local meaning specific to the team that aren't necessarily reflected in the company level objectives. Um, so I'm learning this myself. Uh, I, I, I can't say that I've seen that so much on the teams that I've been on, um, but there is something called local objectives or local OKRs that I encourage you to look into uh, and how to, how to sort of create those amongst your team uh, and make sure they still feel motivated by them. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Got Glenn here. Was there one over? Oh, Alison. Sorry, Paddy. Down here to Glenn. <clears throat> Thank you so much for a wonderful and practical talk. Um, a word that's come up a lot in the course of your talk and in the, in the answers you've been giving is learn, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and trying to create. Learning. Have the mic closer yeah, to sure. your. The word you've used a lot is learn. Right. Um, in fact, it was the first why that you gave, right? Is to learn where the big wins are. Right. Um, but learning requires resetting. And I was wondering, in your own experience as a manager, how frequently you found it to be helpful to review and change, right, the, 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 both the key results, but also the objectives themselves for the business, what the periodicity of that is. You know, a lot of times we find we don't explicitly change them ourselves. 
but they have changed over the course of time, right? So we'll re-examine them, as I mentioned, every two weeks to see, you know, our, how, what's our progress and how are we doing on them. Uh, but we'll reassess and grade at the end of the quarter, uh, which is suggested, um, if you have quarterly OKRs. Um, so at the end of the quarter, we will grade them to see how we've done and say, okay, was this the right objective, right? Or does our objective look more like B when we thought it was A. So we found our objective has sort of changed based on the work that we've done and those wins that we've discovered as we learn more. Um, so yeah, that happens quite often. Um, and that's the whole point to me. That's, that's why I feel OKRs are such a powerful tool, right? They are a learning tool. It's to say, oh, okay, well, maybe we should lean in more here because this isn't working out so well for us. Or we thought we could hit these key results, right? Or um, maybe this is the wrong key result, or maybe this is the wrong objective altogether. Um, but that's the point, is to learn, to iterate, to revisit, either quarterly or annually, uh, and then go back and, and try again. Yeah, thank you. So I had a, a, a thing about when you're putting okay, or you're taking, you're putting okay hours out to grass. Um, who feels sad? Who feels sad? Yeah. Who misses OKRs? When you, when you get rid of them. I do. <laughs> I love OKRs, <laughs> clearly. Um, who gets sad when you get rid of OKRs? Or threatened. Or threatened. I think, I think it's not sad, I think it's confused. I find um, the vision becomes a bit more ambiguous amongst the team, and it's not clear where everyone is going, it's not clear where the company is going. So are we all even headed in the same direction? Mm. So I wouldn't say, say sadness, but I think uh, the results would be more confusion, which you know, is additional cognitive load and you can lose some of your best talent. Mm. You don't know where you're going. Did you know Business of Software are now offering deep dive masterclasses? These sessions led by industry leaders on topics you have told us you are interested in are starting in June 2020. And there's a great lineup of subject focused masterclasses all split over two sessions to help you do what you want to do better, better. Visit businessofsoftware.org slash masterclasses for more information. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.